Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode 212 and it's July 4th, 2016. And this is the 11 year anniversary episode of Mikey Pod, formerly known as Mikey Pod on the Bayou. I keep having this uh, this urge to say that. Uh, so when it originated in Houston, Texas, it was called Mikey Pod on the Bayou. Then it became Mikey Pod, parentheses, on the Bayou. And now it's just plain old Mikey Pod. I'm podcasting to you from Brooklyn, New York. And what's up? Hello. I just had my first live episode of this podcast with great guests, Eve Beglarian, Will Shishmanian, Duncan Flaster, Victoria Libertori, Sugar Vendel, and me. And it was great. It was at the Crane Theater. It was part of the Queerly Festival 2016. And yeah, so let me tell you some little uh, business housekeeping stuff, and then we'll get on to the show. There is an uh, email, mikeypod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. So please do email me there. My name is Michael Heron, by the way. You can find out more about me at michaelheron.com, also linked on mikeypod.com, which is where you'll find the podcast. I am a uh, composer, a pianist, a performer, and I'm working on a show called The Animal Show, which will be going up in sub-October. <laughs> Just in October, last three, uh, last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in uh, October, 27th, 28th, and 29th. It's uh, part of my residency. I'm an artist in residence at Tamerlane Animal Sanctuary. And uh, yeah, so, uh, oh, drip, uh, drip.com slash Michael Heron for uh, my subscription service. I release um, works in progress there. Things you can't get anywhere else. If you join, it's five bucks a month. You get downloads of my albums and singles. And it's, a, it's like a cool little community. And it's a great way to support an artist who you want to see make stuff. So, yeah. I think that's everything. Here is Mikey Pod Live. I've been doing this podcast for like 11 years. And uh, this is the first live episode. So if you're listening to the podcast, this is episode 213. And it's the uh, 11th year anniversary episode. What? And um, yeah. And uh, so we have a lot of awesome guests who you will be seeing and hearing about as the night progresses. What else do I need to tell you guys? Did you, I've made cards like a host might do. Uh, I think I said everything. Yeah, the guests tonight, I should tell you their names just for grins in case you didn't know. Uh, Duncan Flaster, Victoria Libertori, Will Shishmanian, Eve Beglarian, and Sugar Vendel. And uh, I'm going to start off with one of my own songs. It's called Invocation.
You might not know it yet, but these are your hands. Callous and forgotten. And these are your feet. Silver and gold. And this is all you. So thanks for coming, you guys. I'm super excited that you're here. I want to give you a little background on the podcast, and this is a potentially hilariously awkward question. Who here listens to the podcast? 
Oh, what? One, two, three, four. That was actually more than I expected. <laughs> but you're here now, and it's uh, MikeyPod.com is where you can find it. I generally interview uh, different artists. I have activists. But it's taken me out. So I've been doing it for 11 years. I started when I lived in Houston. And um, so I've interviewed people from, like, uh, activists. I interviewed Jane Sibri, who was another one of those artists. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's amazing. And a lot of people don't really know. Who knows who Jane Sibri is? <laughs> Oh, what? This is great. You guys are awesome. You came to the right show. Uh, so, and then uh, Habitat for Humanity founder Millard Fuller. I did a whole series back when I first started uh, on a death penalty case. Um, God, back like whatever 11 years ago it was, uh, where I followed this whole thing. It didn't have a happy ending. We'll talk about that another day. Um, you guys, this is the part that I usually cut out when we're... Uh, uh, yeah, so I've done all the things on the card. I'm going to introduce the next person. Uh, so my next guest, well, first guest, I guess, is uh, Duncan Flaster. And uh, I first met Duncan on the internet, like, 1999, 1998. This, I love the whole series of these questions that I think people are not going to say yes to. Who here was on LiveJournal? What? No way. Really? Oh my, so one, okay, cool. So that's where I first met Duncan. I was living in Houston, and, um, and LiveJournal was like a precursor, pre predecessor to Friendster, MySpace, like it was the first thing like that, right? It was the first social media that... Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> so Duncan was, I was living in Texas, and Duncan was this like cool New York playwright that I was like, oh my God, that guy's living in New York City. And I came and visited one time, and I think uh, my sister went with me to a reading, and it was like in this little tiny, like dingy theater. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is so New York-y. I want to do something like this. And here we are. So uh, I guess I can do my little Q&A for you from here. Sure, absolutely. Hello, Duncan. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for being this here. Good. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the Duncan questions page. Um, oh God, it's so weird. We originally met in the early 2000s. Oh, this one was good. How has your experience of me changed since then? Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't have to answer that. No, well, I was thinking about it the other day when back when you were on LiveJournal, you wrote a song for a friend of yours and you posted it and I listened to it and I said it sounded like Air Supply. Oh, Which wow. I meant as a compliment, but you were very upset. Was I offended? Yes. <laughs> Did I say that I was offended? Yes. You were like, oh my God, I need to go work on this some more. <laughs> I'm so sorry for everything I've done. I'm, like, I'm less of a music snob now than I used to be. I would take that as a compliment now, so thank, thank you. you. And they're, they're very well-crafted songs, Air Supply. Yeah. I meant it as a compliment. Yeah, they're actually good. And their vocals yes. are great, and they're well-produced and everything. Um, so honestly, about you, uh, how has your experience as an artist changed since our days on the internet? Like, as far as marketing and getting audiences to things and just being seen? Uh, well, I, I wasn't even like producing plays when we first started writing, I, or even writing plays, really. I was an actor back then, and uh, that was my thing. And uh, about 15 years ago, I started like seriously being a playwright and doing that as a thing all the time. And uh, so, yeah, it's been uh, the internet's made it a lot easier to like get people two things because when I first moved to New York I didn't realize you actually had to advertise the play <laughs> I did a show down in South Florida and you just like put it in the newspaper and then people come that doesn't Not happen here yeah. so yeah you need to like tell people you're doing a show you need to like advertise 
And so, yeah, that's made uh, Facebook has made things a lot easier for that. So yeah, yeah. I, I did a lot of desperate uh, texts <laughs> this week too. Raise your hand if you got a desperate text for me with five frowny face emojis. <laughs> well, wow, that's a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, so I think I had one more question that I wanted to ask you, Duncan. Yes. Oh, yeah, song fight. That was a oh, thing that I remember that yes. you used to do. That was one of the things I was like, oh, my God, Duncan, makes, you just made music in your apartment. Uh, so song fight. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Do you still even do that? I don't do it anymore. I did it for like about a year. Uh, song fight is a, and it's still a going concern. I think it's songfight.net or songfight.com. Uh, you can, they post every week or so a title. And everybody writes a song with that title, and then it's on the internet, and everybody votes their favorite, and then people win. <laughs> and uh, it got to be so popular for a while that they would do like several titles a week, like three of them, so that there would be like three sets of people. And uh, for about a year, I did uh, many, many songs that just sort of like taught me how to write songs, which I don't even really do all that much anymore. But it like it was a big lesson in craft for me, and. I never won. I I'm, I'm, uh. was like the longest running song fight person <laughs> to have been a continual member of it for about a year and made it to second place a couple of times, but never actually won because that's how I am. So awesome. That's such a loaded compliment. <laughs> like I'm the longest running, non-ever winning person at this. Yeah. Um, well, I loved your song. So thank you. you thank uh, you. You've got a play coming up. Oh, yes. The Underpants Godot. It's a play that I've written about a guy who wants to do Waiting for Godot with hot guys in their underpants instead of old men, and uh, someone from the Beckett estate shows up to a dress rehearsal to tell him why he's not allowed to do that. And it's awesome. It was in uh, the Secret Theater's Unfringed Festival where we won Best Play last summer, and they're bringing it back for a two-week run at the end of September. It's underpantsgodot.com. Go check that out. It's going to be cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and if you're here, you can go to MikeyPod.com when the podcast goes up, and I'll have links to each of the artists and show notes and all that kind of stuff. Now, here's Duncan Flaster doing some songs. Yay. Thanks. All right. So uh, I'm Duncan. This is my ukulele. Uh, I do other people's music. Uh, yeah. So there we are. Looks like we made it Look how far we've come, my baby Might have took the long way We knew we'd get there someday They said, I'll bet They'll never make it But just look at us holding on We're still together Still going strong You're still the one, still the one I run to the one that I belong to, still the one I want for life. You're still the one, still the one that I love, the only one I dream of, still the one I kiss goodnight. Ain't nothing better, we beat the odds together, glad we didn't listen. Look at what we might have been missing They said, I'll bet they'll never make it But just look at us holding on 
We're still together, still going strong. You're still the one, still the one I run to. The one that I belong to. Still the one I want for life. You're still the one, still the one that I love. The only one I dream of. Still the one I kiss goodnight. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. Thank you. <clears throat> Have a little uh, Latin flavor for you now. A tico tico tick. A tico tico talk. This tico tico. He's the cuckoo in my clock. And when he says cuckoo, you know it's time to woo. It's Tico time for all the lovers on the block. I got a heavy date, a tete-a-tete -tete at eight. So speak, oh Tico, tell me, is it getting late? If I'm on time, cuckoo, but if I'm late, woo-woo, the one my heart has gone to may not want to wait. For just a birdie and a birdie who goes nowhere, he knows of every lover's lane and how to go there. For in affairs of the heart, my Tico's terribly smart, he tells me gently, sentimentally at the start. Oh, oh, I hear my little Tico, Tico calling, because the time is right and shades of night are falling. I love that not so cuckoo, cuckoo in the clock, a Tico, 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 Tico talk. A tico tico tick, a tico tico talk, this tico tico eats the cuckoo in my clock. And when he says cuckoo, you know it's time to woo, it's tico time for all the lovers on the block. I got a heavy date, a tete a tete at eight, tico tico tell me is it getting late? If I'm on time, cuckoo, but if I'm late, woo woo, the one my heart's got to wait, I want to wait. For just a birdie and a birdie who goes nowhere, he knows every lover's lane and how to go there. For an affairs of the heart, my tico's terribly smart, he tells me gently, sentimentally at the start. Oh, oh, I hear my little tico tico calling, because the time is right, shades of night are falling. I love the not to cuckoo cuckoo in the clock. A tico 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 talk. Thank you. All right. I haven't done this one in a while, so I hope I remembered it. There we go. I hope that our few remaining friends give up on trying to save us. I hope we come up with a fail-safe plot to piss off the dumb few that forgave us. I hope the fences we've mended fall down beneath their own weight. And I hope that we hang on past the last exit. I hope it's already too late. I hope when the junkyard a few blocks from here someday burns down, I hope that the rising black smoke carries me far away And I never come back to this town again In my life I hope I lie And tell everyone you were a good wife And I hope you die I hope we both die
I hope I cut myself shaving tomorrow. I hope it bleeds all day long. Our friends say it's blackest before the sun rises. We're pretty sure they're all wrong. I hope it stays dark forever. I hope the worst isn't over. I hope I blink before you do. I hope I never get sober. I hope when you think of me years down the line, you can't think of one good thing to say. And I hope that if I find the strength to walk out, you'll stay the hell out of my way. I am drowning. There is no sign of land. You are coming down with me. Hand in unlovable hand, and I hope you die. I hope we both die. Sweat, baby, sex is a Texas drought Me and you do the kind of stuff that only Prince would sing about So put your hands down my pants and I'll bet you'll feel nuts Yes, I'm Siskel, yes, I'm Ebert And you're getting two thumbs up You had enough of two-hand touch You want it rough, you're out of bounds Want you smothered, want you covered Like my Waffle House patrons Come quicker than FedEx, never reach an apex Like Coca-Cola stock, you are inclined To make me rise an hour early Just like daylight savings time you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Getting horny now. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. I'd appreciate your input. Love, the kind you clean up with a mop and bucket Like the lost catacombs of Egypt, only God knows where we stuck it Hieroglyphics, I want to be Pacific, I want to be down in your South Seas But I got this notion that the motion of the ocean needs small craft advisories So if I capsize any thighs, high tide, B5, you sunk my battleship Please turn me on, I'm Mr. Coffee with an automatic drip So show me yours, I'll show you mine, tool time, you'll love it just like Lyle Then we'll do it doggy style so we can both watch X-Files You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. <sighs> okay, one more song, then I'll get out of your hair. Many times I've tried to tell you, many times I've cried alone Always I'm surprised how well you cut my feelings to the bone Don't wanna leave you really, I've invested too much time To give you up that easy, 
to the doubts that complicate your mind We belong to the light, we belong to the thunder We belong to the sound of the words we both have fallen under Whatever we deny or embrace, for worse or for better We belong, we belong, we belong together Maybe it's a sign of weakness when I don't know what to say Maybe I just wouldn't know what to do with my strength anyway Have we become a habit? Do we distort the facts? Now there's no looking forward Now there's no turning back When you say we belong to the light We belong to the thunder We belong to the sound of the words we both fallen under Whatever we deny or embrace for worse or for better We belong, we belong, we belong together Close your eyes and try to sleep now Close your eyes and try to dream Clear your mind and do your best to Try and wash the palate clean I guess we'll never know it How much we really care I hear your voice inside me I see your face everywhere when you say we belong to the light, we belong to the thunder. We belong to the sound of the words we both fallen under. Whatever we deny or embrace, for worse or for better, we belong, we belong, we belong together. When you say we belong to the light, we belong to the thunder. Thank you very much. Second plaster, everyone. Uh, I forgot to mention something. Yeah. The Naughty Jewish Boys calendar. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, you want to give us a quick rundown on what that is? I'm also a photographer, and I think Jewish guys are hot. So uh, <laughs> I have made a Naughty Jewish Boys calendar, which comes in two editions. Uh, one guys in yarmulkes and underwear, and one just yarmulkes. So uh, you can check that out at <laughs> NaughtyJewishBoys.com. Uh, go out, purchase them. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and all those places where we have a Naughty Jewish Boy of the Week. Hashtag Naughty Jewish Boy of the Week. And uh, go out and get that. <laughs> Thanks. Are you seeking models? Do we need uh, to... Still anyone? seeking models for 2017. But uh, yeah, that's... All right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see any... any... <laughs> Thank you, Duncan Flasta. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's go right on to our next guest. This is someone who I met in a coffee shop in my neighborhood, Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. What's up, Windsor Terrace? <laughs> yeah. Um, Victoria Libertori is our next guest. Come on, Victoria. Uh, she was passing out, she was passing out uh, postcards for a show, and I was like, oh, I want to be a performance artist. I'm going to talk to this lady. And uh, it turns out that she's also an intuitive reader and she's so uh, i got on her mailing list and for a long time i was getting emails <laughs> thank you michael sure. 
uh, getting emails from her. I never made it to anything. But then I signed up for one of her intuitive, uh, intuitive. I learned so much right. from the class. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Maybe connecting with your intuition. Yeah, that yeah. was it. And it was performing with uh, archetypes. Yes. Yeah, yes. so um, yes. Victoria is a performance artist. She's a uh, intuitive reader. She does classes and teaching. And what did I leave out? Is that everything? I just try to get by. Just trying to get by. <laughs> <laughs> One minute at a I time. I don't really identify as a performance artist, actually. Oh. I, this I, is it's just too much pressure. Away. It's too yeah. much pressure. So you just prefer... I'm a performing, performing artist. Okay. Yeah. We should just probably go on to the next <laughs> one. <laughs> so um, I, I got to pull out my cards. There's like the expectation I'm going to like take a shit on stage <laughs> as a performance artist. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm that, from the Midwest. It's more mild-mannered than that. That's that I do. not... I was sort of... <laughs> you didn't see I was posting that on all the Facebook. Come see Victoria Liberatore take a shit on stage. Yeah. No. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a great question. Uh, how do teaching intuitive work and performing inform you as an artist? Or how do they... Do they interact... Um, you know, one thing I just forgot, I've never told you this, that when you came up to me and you asked me about my show, I totally thought you were trying to pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that you were gay. I knew I was gay, but I was like, oh, this guy's hitting on me. Oh. Okay. Look at us I'm now. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to be sorry. <laughs> no, I feel really creepy about that. Should I, I mean, it all worked out, more or less. We're standing here with these yeah, 20 people. I guess that's true. <laughs> Living and our this dream. Is like, this is 20 Back more people. Back on top. <laughs> Half of them are performing. <laughs> this is okay. 20 more people than we're going to come a couple yeah, days ago. I think ago. it's beautiful. Thank God you're all. Thank yeah. you for you being here. You know what? Here. Let's give a Thank round of applause to the audience. Monday Thank night. Thank you for being here. After Pride, $20, yes. steep ticket. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, they're getting a show for that. <laughs> Quite a show, even though they there will are. be no... <laughs> See, you're a performance artist. That was great. No. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, <laughs> what was it? I don't know. <laughs> That's all right. It was how do all those things interact or like do they... Um, That's sort of a broad question, isn't it? So how does my intuition interact with my performing? Yeah. Well, I was sitting back there and I was kind of reading the audience and I was thinking, I'm going to cut some of what I'm doing. I'm ah. going to keep this moving. So I don't know if that's intuition. Yeah. <laughs> Is that also like maybe we should keep this moving? Sure. Yeah, let me not? go to the uh, next question. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to skip that one. Let's see. Uh, no, no. Um, yeah. Oh, this is actually a good one. That yeah. might be. Uh, what are you give intuitive readings as we mentioned before? I do. I do. Yes. What are some things people come to you for? And I'm going to add. Not that anyone knows what's written on this card, but if you did, you would know. I'm adding something to that. Is, is there like? Give me a bizarre experience that oh, has happened goodness. as a reader. Well, it's kind of like therapy where I feel like I really can't talk about people's intuitive readings because that would be mean and wrong. But I, yeah. I understand being curious about the questions, yeah. not mean and wrong. But, um, you know, I always say the readings are for people's highest good and information comes through from their own intuition and their chakras and their guides and... Um, I the most bizarre thing um, I I can't talk about it. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> this is the <laughs> that best was a downer. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, kids. Um, so oh, here's some good news. You just got married. I just got married. What's up? <clears throat> 
Uh, thank you. It was a lot of hard fucking work to get to the place of being able to get married in my life, yeah. which I'll, I'll tell you more about, but my wife is sitting out there. Hi, Jennifer Ellen Colton. <laughs> <laughs> best, best choice I've ever made. <laughs> so when you say that uh, it was a lot of work getting there, were you not always open to love? Um, I, I wasn't always open to love. It's funny you're asking me that, Michael. What? I don't know if it was my intuition. Maybe. But I've, I've actually written you a letter about what? this. <laughs> yeah. Just about it's, that? It's just about that. Oh. Should I read it? Do you want to just it? read it? All right. Yeah. It's kind of long-winded. And reading the audience, you may just want to say it really fast. But um, uh, yeah. Do you want to just tell me that? Like, oh, wow. It says, Dear Michael and everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our intuitive reader for the evening. Uh, all right, so um, dear Michael, you asked me if I've always been open to love and how did I get there? I most definitely have not always been open to love. I certainly have been searching for it my entire life. As a matter of fact, I now believe it's the main reason I came to New York. Though if you had told me that almost 19 years ago on September 6, 1997, when I moved here in a U-Haul truck, I never would have believed you. I had my eyes set on New York City to catapult me into fame and fortune. I went through many heartbreaks here thinking I was ready for love, but I now know that I was re really just finding people who were more emotionally unavailable than I was, which I, could, who, which I could just obsess over from afar. I used to confuse love with obsession. I imagined I was in some fabulous merchant ivory film of unrequited love and amazing clothing. If someone was interested in me romantically, I basically ran the other way. I found something in them to pick apart, to dislike, to judge, and even to make fun of. Compassion in my life definitely has been learned in adulthood. I found people to quote, fall in love with that were married, my bosses, emotionally unavailable, so stars of sorts here in New York City. I remember sitting outside Peggy Shaw's apartment, sobbing by a tree because she hadn't paid attention to me. I thought this was love. It was all very dramatic and quite sad. So let's get to the juicy stuff. How did I open to love? I presume we're talking about romantic love since it's the sticky stuff that us humans seem to have a, hard, have a harder time with. I think it's all about the expectations we place on it. I open to love by reading a lot of books about it. It's kind of like meditating. I basically read books about meditating for five years before I started meditating for real. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I would get to an exercise in the book where I was actually supposed to meditate, I would skip the actual meditating part <laughs> and go on to the reading part. Uh, but hey, it takes what it takes to step forward. Now I actually meditate, so upon reflection, reading about love helped me tremendously to open to love. I read spiritual books like Osho's book simply called Love, Soul Love by Sanaya Roman. Uh, a Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. I read mainstream books like... He's oh, uh, it's past tense. I read all these books. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. No problem. Um, isn't mm. that a weird word? It is. Read. Because <laughs> it's both... You have to pronounce it differently and yeah. just know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like dove and dove. And there's another one. Oh. Well, we, I mean, we could go on and on because I also transcribe <laughs> to make money. So it's what, like, like, can I throw one more? You're, you're, you know. Pussy and pussy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, Queerly Festival. Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, I lost my place. Um, oh, I, it was mainstream books. That I read 
mainstream books, like he's just not that into you, which was actually pretty helpful and helped me learn that people are actually usually pretty obvious when they like you and there's not a lot of guessing about it. Books like Codependent No More and one of the most helpful books I read on love was uh, by Kenny Loggins mm -hmm. called The Imaginable Life about his relationship he formed with his colon therapist. <laughs> this is for real? <laughs> Based on honest communication. It, helped, it really helped me understand that I can't expect someone to be everything to me. <laughs> Other ways I opened to love was by talking about it a lot, writing about it, and asking people questions about it, about their love lives and how they met their person. I had an amazing mentor who gave me, the quote to apply to my, gave me this quote to apply to my love life. Don't take the crumbs anymore. I can't tell you how many times I repeated this to myself. Another friend gave me this advice. If it's meant to be, you can't stop it. If it's not meant to be, you can't force it. This helped tremendously. My spiritual mentor gave me an exercise to let the water hit my heart chakra in the shower and imagine the wall around my heart melting. I started going to therapy. I talked about all kinds of shit in therapy from all parts of my life. I started to see my part in my love life, how resistant I actually was to it. I made a list of everything I was looking for in a person. I turned it over to the universe. That person came. It was great for a few months, then she went away for a week, and when she came back, she was like a different person. She paid more attention to the waitress when we were out to lunch than she did me. I was angry. It was good I was angry. The same person who told me we don't take crumbs anymore said to me, you're not a victim anymore. I broke it off with this woman. I said to the universe, I never want to be with somebody that is not available again. I, I'd rather be single, the rest of my life than go through this pain. I made another list. The first thing I put on the list was emotionally and literally available. And turned the list over to the universe again. And then I went on about the business of enjoying my life, myself, my friends, my art. Another friend said to me, if you want to be married, you need to go on a first date. So I went on many first dates, but nothing stuck. And then one did. And we've been together since August 16th, 2008. It's, as a matter of fact, we got married three weeks ago. It was one of the best days of my life, which I can't even explain because I never thought I was a person that would say that. I've learned that even within a loving relationship, you can push away love, that, but that the more you open to it, the more you want it. Oh, the other big thing that helped me open to love is animals. I thought you'd appreciate that. <clears throat> The dogs in my life have especially worked their little puppy paws on my heart, digging in there, opening my heart further. They're so unabashed in their love that it's contagious. So in summary, Michael, I've read a lot of books about it. I've talked to a lot of friends about their love. I've talked to spiritual mentors and people I admire with more experience. I've prayed, I've turned it over, I've learned how to care for myself so that I could open to it. I've opened my heart to annals, I've focused on my heart chakra, I've set intentions, I've done aff affirmations, this is a list. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. ma manifested that there's been a certain letting go and trusting. I don't think I realized how much effort I've actually put into opening to love. It is really good to realize this right now because I'm in a place that I don't know what I want to do with my life as far as my career or passion or even making a living. So it's so good to remember how much effort I actually put into getting to a place where I could get married and it felt so wonderful and effortless and joyful. There was actually a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind all of that along with a lot of grace, guidance, and trust. Thanks for the reminder that I can apply that to other parts of my life now. Whatever your journey is with love in all its shapes and forms, I wish you, for you, happiness and expansion and miracles. Love, Vic. Am I supposed to read the PS? I forgot what you told me. Yeah, the, the, the PS I wrote in first. Okay. Uh, PS. Uh, 
Peggy Shaw lives. <laughs> P.S. Peggy Shaw lives on this block. Isn't life wild? <laughs> True. P.S.S. Uh, Michael, do you think you're, you're closed off to love? If so, why are you closed off to love? Romantic love? You're not going to believe this. Yeah. I wrote a letter to you. You did not. It's totally true. It's right here. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a little wrinkled. That's all right. May I read it? Yeah. Out loud? Yeah. In go front ahead. of everyone? Yeah. All right. It's, it's sort of short. <laughs> you know, short's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with short. Okay. Dear Vic, I had the perfect answer to your question about my resistance to romantic love. I bristled and called, squirmed, and even mugged for the non-existent camera. It wasn't there, and neither were you, so I'm going to write it down. Awkward faces don't translate. Awkward faces don't translate well to the printed word, and it looks like I'm stalling again. Another paragraph of poetic attempts, a feeble mask for my fear. That's the last procrastination paragraph, I swear. <laughs> There was a him some time ago. We lived in the same space and even took dumps together. It's <laughs> a theme tonight. Yeah. Chatting. Intuition. <laughs> Chatting about our day while one of us BM'd. I have fun talking about gross stuff like that, but it's really that intimacy that I'm talking about here. I don't ever remember being so human with another person before. Maybe the dark side of that is what keeps me away, the way I couldn't fall asleep. I mean, I literally couldn't fall asleep unless he was in my arms. Maybe it's the way I shut down chapters of myself when he and I were together, too afraid that he wouldn't like these parts of me that made us different. Or the way I drove around the city like a broken shell when it was over, running red lights and losing my way because I felt so lost, not feeling like a person anymore without him. That was nearly 19 years ago, and I have dated in those years. At first, that hungry ghost heart tried to latch on to each new person, scaring them away, and then gradually I turned into something else, distant and removed. I once broke it off with a guy because he was always too happy to see me. <laughs> Alongside those changes have been good ones, too. I am an active artist now, self-sufficient and an independent to a fault, perhaps. Now the fears, too old, too, too old, question mark, too fat, question mark, just too broke down, question mark. It feels like too much to even go down that road of untangling, you know? I care enough to feel a little lonely sometimes, but not enough to break down whatever walls keep me from pairing off. And then what happens? Who would I be then? In a couple, after all these years? Would I be able to stay me and connected with another? Would he be able to allow my random, artsy life? I short circuit in the pool with all these questions. And then when I look around, no one's asking anyway. So I just let go and solo swim, Michael. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> sure. It's so strange that we did this. I know, right? Yeah. You know what else we could do? I mean, this kind of relates. Yeah. I mean, we both are queer. We're in this queer, fa even though I thought you were hitting on me. <laughs> we're in this six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're in this queer festival. We, we could share about our queerness for a minute. 
Let's do it. I'm going right. to go sit down and okay. you can... All right. Hi, queers. Hi. Hi. I'm Victoria. I'm queer. Hi. <laughs> I actually usually identify as a lesbian. I don't know when that started, but I'll, I'll say I'm a lesbian. I actually usually have to come out every day as a lesbian because I don't look like a lesbian because most people think a lesbian looks like Ellen. <laughs> Michael was talking about taking a dump in his letter and um, just on that note I want to say that I've had a hard time going to the bathroom since I've been back from my beautiful wedding in Bali. I often have a hard time going to the bathroom actually. My mom had colon cancer and I really need to get a colonoscopy but I've been putting it off. <laughs> I don't want somebody in my butt while I'm asleep. <laughs> your anus is a very tender part of your body. I don't know how queer it is for me to be talking about my anus, but I'm going to talk about it for a second. Once I heard a woman share that she prays each morning that all of her holes are working, and each night she thanks God that all of her holes on her body are working. Is this going well, Michael? <laughs> Hashtag back on top. You know, there are actually only two female doctors in my entire plan that do colonoscopies. All the rest are men, and I just don't want a man in my butt. No offense. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard of my plan, Medicaid. I'm 40, I'm on Medicaid. I don't know what I want to do with my life anymore, kids. I'm at this tiny theater with you on a Monday night. You're staring at me. At least you're here, right? I actually have been in this theater before. I was in it 19 years ago, the Crane Theater. I was working at a talent agency, and I came to see a show with one of the agents who was scouting out talent, and there was a young woman, Marae Enos, and she was performing in the play, and he said she's going to be a star. Well, she's gone on to be in The Killing on AMC, and she just did a movie with Brad Pitt about zombies and I'm on Medicaid. <laughs> I did actually go see a female doctor in my plan. She might have been queer. She was very stern, and she um, kind of had this S&M vibe, which can be really fun, but it's not fun when it's a doctor who's going to be in your anus while you're sleeping. <laughs> and she said to me in this harsh tone, you've been a bad girl for putting off your colonoscopy. I have worked too fucking hard to learn how to be nice to myself, to have a doctor that shames me. And you know what else? Her office was dirty. And that doesn't seem right to me, does it to you? Especially the bathroom. I don't want to go to a doctor that gives colonoscopies that has a dirty bathroom. So being queer, there were no queer people in Ohio growing up in the 1980s, none on TV, none in the movies, none even out shopping at the grocery store. Think Ohio, 80s, big hair, shoulder pads, neon bracelets. Ohio, 1980s, girls just want to have fun, and they're being touched like a virgin for the very first time. 
Ohio 80s, the Cold War, we would have these drills where we would hide under our desk in case the Russians sent missiles over. I don't know what good being under a metal desk would do if the Russians sent missiles over. I always thought, oh, the metal's just going to stick to my head. <laughs> Nonetheless, we had the drills. And there was the AIDS epidemic sweeping the country. So growing up, sex was terrifying. Sex meant death. And then, of course, there was Nancy Reagan's just say no to drugs, which I did. I said no to drugs until I was 21 in New York and I was offered ecstasy. And then I said yes to drugs. <laughs> and I kept saying yes to drugs and yes again to drugs. And I don't think my dopamine levels have ever been quite the same since. As a matter of fact, coming here tonight, I had to sit down in the bathtub when I was taking my shower because it was just too much. <laughs> The first gay person I ever met, Michael, I was 13. His name was Matt Taylor. He was in his 30s. I was volunteering at a science museum, Ohio Center of Science and Industry. This is back when I was taking the town by storm in Columbus, Ohio. And Matt was not like other adults. He wasn't like perky and smiley, and he didn't ask me inane questions like, how many children do you want when you grow up? Matt had an edge. He would wear black under his lab coat, and he was kind of angry and uh, had a little bit of this temper but a dark sense of humor. So one morning I am standing in the lobby wearing my lab coat and a clipboard and feeling very adult at 13 and I'm waiting for school buses of kids to come in on a field trip to the science museum. I don't know why I wasn't in school that day, that's another story. So I'm standing here and Matt's up above and he's by this uh, capsule, the Friendship 7. It's a replica of the real Friendship 7 that John Glenn went up in and he went around the earth three times on February 20th, 1962. So this was about six weeks after my now wife was born, January 10th, 1962. She's 54. I'm 40. She's a Capricorn. I'm a Libra. <laughs> we got married on June 4th under a full moon. We have 14 years between us, like Ellen and Portia. So I'm standing <laughs> here. Matt's up above by the Friendship 7. And it's this little window when nobody is around, and Matt says to me, Victoria, he yells down actually, Victoria, are you dating Jenny? Jenny was my best friend at the Science Museum. And I said, what? And he said, is she your girlfriend? I said, ugh, no, gross, I'm not gay. And Matt just uh, stared at me for a second. And then he said, you should move to New York when you grow up. <laughs> You'll find your people. And I had no idea what he meant, but I knew, I knew he was right. So I've been in New York 19 years. I have found my people. I have found my person. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what's going on with all of this hatred in the world. I don't know if I'm going to stay in New York, but I do know that I need to get a colonoscopy. I do know that Marae Enos is now going to be in Shonda Rhimes' television show, The Catch. I do know that Mars is going to go direct in a couple of days. Thank goodness. Mars is a warring planet, Michael. I do know that Matt Taylor died of AIDS in 1994. And before he died, he 
founded project Open Hand, which actually is still in existence, and it takes meals and groceries to people that are living with AIDS and HIV. And I do know, and hopefully, the next 40 years of my life, my anus willing that I will be on this planet, and I'll be able to be of service in some way to queers, humans, animals, the environment. I looked up queer before I came to see what the definition was, and it said strange and odd. But what I really liked were the synonyms. Peculiar, bizarre, funny, weird, and curious. So in honor of all that's queer, I'm gonna close out with the haiku that I wrote today, or yesterday. Hold on one second. I just want to get fat and play card games with you. Will you marry me? Thank you. <laughs> and now I'd like to invite Michael up to share his experience, strength, and hope in his queer story. Hi, I'm Michael, and I'm a faggot. <laughs> uh, I didn't memorize my story. Um, in the summer of 1980, my mom sent my sister and me to California to spend some time with our cousins, John and Beth. It was a great trip for a few reasons, included but not limited to seeing my first pair of on-screen boobies via a misguided trip to the, to the movie Airplane. In stark contrast to my complete non-reaction to the sighting of a pair of naked, jiggling breasts was my complete mega-reaction to my cousin Beth's record collection. I mean, I feel pretty confident that queerness is nature and not nurture, but if it were nurtured, my queerness was pretty deftly shepherded by Donna Summer's concept double album, Once Upon a Time. I hadn't been introduced to disco yet, but those funky bass lines, lush strings, and double hand claps resonated deeply in my soul and awakened something fabulous. <clears throat> I can't remember why, but Beth actually gave me her Once Upon a Time, this stand is really making me sad. Sorry. Oh, I'll just leave it alone. Uh, I can't remember why, but Beth actually gave me her Once Upon a Time double album and on the radio Greatest Hits Volumes 1 and 2 and the 12-inch single to Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> it was tough to get that vinyl packed and home safely, safely to Houston, but I did. And on my next visit to my friend Andy Wigington's house, I arrived with Donna Summer Records in tow. He, too, was transfixed by its relentless grooves and beguiling lyrics like, it's a nightmare, a daymare, a bad mare no matter which way mare. Right? <laughs> of course, we had no choice but to stage an interpretive dance piece to, the, to perform on the second floor street-facing balcony that extended the width of his pretty big house. And yes, there were plenty of high kicks and fistful of glitter. Of course, uh, we were young enough then that this sort of flamboyance wasn't really all that eyebrow-raising, even for Texas. I feel certain that our performance didn't draw much of a crowd, if anyone came at all, but this is one of those moments I look back on my life and it felt right. Those moments became more infrequent the older I got, but they still happened. In high school, I was in the choir and did some theater, so there were plenty of opportunities to have some queer moments without having to acknowledge what I was unable to face about myself. Many of these kids came out after high school like I did, but one friend, Wes, he came out 
in high school. Wes drove a pickup truck like many of the kids in Tyler, Texas, and we hung out sometimes, even though he was a couple years older than me. I always liked the way he drove with his umbrella in the gun rack in the back window of his pickup truck. <laughs> Wes and I were parked outside the choir room late one afternoon, just shooting the shit. He got a little weird all of a sudden, and he had said he had something to tell me and hoped we could still be friends after. I'm gay. He just blurted it out like that, kind of calm. I was shocked, but not really, but really. I had to decide what to do with that really fast. Even though it would be a few years before I could accept that I was gay, I did perceive myself to be someone who was very open to my new gay friend. I explained that it didn't bother me at all, and of course we could still be friends. Then he looked right at me and said, oh, well, I told you because I thought you were. And that last sentence ended like a question, even though it wasn't really. No, but I really think it's fine that you are. The thing is, I don't remember hanging out with Wes after that. Maybe I got freaked out that he had me pegged for a fellow homo, or maybe my being so closeted freaked him out. I do feel like I betrayed him in a way, while, even while acknowledging that I did my best as a gay teenager in East Texas. I remained closeted for a while, but on my return to Houston after graduation, I started running with a pretty queer circle of friends. But that's the kind of open-minded and tolerant heterosexual I was in those days. <laughs> One night, a group of us had plans to see Bronski Beat at Heaven Nightclub, a gay bar. I was underage still, but my friend David actually knew Steve Bronski, and we were on the guest list. Just like I hoped, they didn't check my ID and just ushered us straight back to the storage closet turned green room. It's funny thinking of myself there now, this closeted 19-year-old with a strong aversion to alcohol who was embarrassed by any mention of sex, hanging out with my gay friends in a gay alcohol closet with a gay dance music icon who was making gay moves on all those cute young gay boys. It was pretty gay. <laughs> and then it got gayer. When the show started, my friends and I went into the club itself. I don't know how I can express this accurately, what I saw and what I felt being in this place. There were go-go boys in G-strings with bodies like the ones I had jerked off to in the international mail catalogs I'd pilfered from my dad. And then this sea of men dancing together, kissing, holding hands, hugging. No one seemed to be ashamed of who they were. And I found that, I found that beautiful and revolting in a way that I really can't explain. I was so confused further by the fact that these were mostly just regular-looking people. I remember for years thinking that if I was gay, I mean literally thinking that I would have to be a child molester or a flasher or generally sexually deviant in some way. But these guys here, they looked pretty happy and content. It was another one of those moments that felt like I had found my home and scared the piss out of me. And I liked it. This night propped itself up in my memory a couple of weeks ago as I tried to get my head around what happened at Pulse nightclub in Orlando. How many of the people in that club were kids like me who had found the place they knew in their lives where they were safe and could begin to discover who they were? Who had they been ushered by? If not Donna Summer, Wes from high school, Steve Bronsky, David Parnell, Something about their new cast of characters, Lady Gaga, Tyler Oakley, their family members and friends, I don't even know who else to name in their lists, but I thought this space between my queer awakening and theirs made me different or separate somehow. Maybe I thought they were less than because it's so much easier to come out now, or I was inferior because of my age, but no. 
This is our fight and our experience. So to my own personal queer Jesuses, I thank you. You helped me through the airwaves, on the dance floor, on the streets, and in the sheets to be who I am. Breeders, dykes, faggots, drag queens, trans, and cis, queers. As an adult, I see you on the internet, on the race course, from the pulpit. You all helped me learn who I am, and I so hope I am returning the favor. Happy Pride. Victoria Libertori. <clears throat> well, we just went to a place right then. Uh, so we have another guest. And the, oh, I keep forgetting to mention the bar is open throughout the show. So as long as it's not like super quiet or anything, like super, you know, be discerning, go to the bar when it feels appropriate, but do go to the bar. Connor looks lonely. <laughs> All right, so uh, next guest. Uh, this is my newest friend on the lineup. Uh, Will Shishmanian, who plays everything from finger-picking folk to rock to funk to R&B. His EP, To the Corner and Back, is on iTunes, Spotify, and all major retailers. And he is here now to do some songs for us. Come. Come, Will. And he has a lot of change in his pockets. Uh, should I ask a question while you get your guitar so you have time to think? Yeah, <laughs> sure. These notes are so sparse. So you're working on an album. <laughs> I shouldn't do this while you're trying to get your guitar together. Yes, um, I'm working on a 14-track LP. Uh, the last album I put out to the corner and back is an, uh, an acoustic thing for the most part, uh, full band, but mainly folk and a little bit of jazz. And then this is more uh, prog rock, R&B. It's uh, I studied composition in college, so I think after that I just really wanted to grow as far as the arrangements I was doing, and this is the first opportunity I've really had to do that. And I'm really excited about it. So, cool. it's just at the studio last week, and I have a string quartet playing on a few tracks in DC next month that I'm getting those tracks ready for. So, awesome. very excited. Uh, you were just on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I totally missed this big project you're working on, which is exciting. We can talk about it now. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about the uh, lesbian fairy tale musical? Yes. Yes. Um, so, when I was in college, I went to Ithaca College. Uh, friend, my friend Calvin Kasalki and I wrote. Well, I'm a trans man, so originally this was very much my life, and uh, it's like there are not a lot of queer women stories out there that are not just built on stereotypes, and um, I think it's important to give different types of queer people a voice, and so we, I asked him at a party, like, hey, you want to you wanna write like a, a, a lesbian fairy tale musical? And we're not very good at naming things, so that's just what it's still called now. But <laughs> <laughs> And it actually it went very well. We put it on twice. We put it on once uh, on campus. We put it on the next semester downtown. And we actually we work closely with the Planned Parenthood up in, in Ithaca, and they are now going to be funding the... I'm reorchestrating it right now, and they're going to be funding the printing the book, the script, director's notes, and we're going to be promoting it to high schools, colleges, and like LGBT youth groups around the country because right now it's just sitting on my laptop and it's like you know it's a, it's a it was a big part of my life and um, you know, I even had a couple of people tell me that uh, younger people that had started Ithaca the semester that we first put it on told me they decided to go to our campus to, to our college because they knew that that was a place that they could thrive and that that they would be accepted and I'm I think that the show has the ability to give that to a lot of people a place of 
home almost. So I'm really excited to get that going again and, and hopefully do it in the city, hopefully have some schools do it around the country. And yeah, that's what we're working on. Amazing. That's cool. I can't wait to see where, where it goes. Me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have some songs to sing for us. I do. Yes. I will get out of the way and let you do that. Will Shishmanian. Uh, so this is going to be a mix of songs on this album that we're, that we're recording right now. And um, I also, I grew up <laughs> like with li- listening to Mulan and being like, who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection show who I am inside? It's sad that trans people like don't always have very obvious anthems or anything. So um, I make sure to write a lot of references into my, uh, into my lyrics that, you know, I think we all have things to deal with with our, our gender identity even if it just is gender roles that we've been prescribing to subconsciously that are kind of ruining our lives. So uh, these have to do with my experience, but this is called Steps. There are strangers hanging by the street signs And a danger growing in my mind Now it's you breaking free But to these places you take me Pumping through my veins are you asking to stay here? Just ask me to stay. Another minute on these steps won't kill us tonight. Another chance to catch our breath and adjust to the changing light. I still find stumbling over shadows of what's behind. The minute all these steps won't kill us tonight There's a tightness in my chest that I'm unbound to Makes me weightless when I'm around you now it's you and me Passing time to already Pumping through my veins Are you asking to stay here? Just ask me to stay Another minute on these steps Won't kill us tonight Another chance to catch our breath Another minute on these steps won't 
catch our breath and adjust to the changing light. I still find stumbling over shadows of what's behind. Another minute on these steps won't kill us. Thank you. Um, that one's going to be the first track off of my upcoming LP, which, same as the musical, does not have a name yet. So I've just been hashtagging it, Will Shish LP, everywhere online. But uh, this song is going to sound a lot different on that, but I, I enjoy doing the acoustic version too. This song is called Pressure. Stripped back of this room One thought consumes Will tonight bear added weight As we push the starting gate Drop back Slow. Raw lips will know where you are and where we've been. Come so far, we come again. Speak soft, speak now Or I'll fall somehow Into sparks that flood your eyes While I'm deeper, they are wide How do we get together now? If you're feeling better, hope can stick together now. Feel the pressure, how do we get together now? If you're feeling better, hope can stick together now. Feel the pressure, how do we get together
Thank you. That one will eventually have uh, many more layers, so please, if you're interested, you can find my stuff on willshish.com. Turns out shish is much easier to spell and remember than shishmanian. Um, this next song is actually on the EP that I put out last year, which is called To the Corner and Back, which I do have with me if you're interested. Uh, it's a song I actually wrote in college about a college girlfriend, and I had it on the EP that I sold to raise money for my top surgery. And then it's probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written, but I had to change the key because I could no longer sing it <laughs> because my voice dropped. So this is called Forever. Curtains are open to let the cool air in and keep the warmth between the sheets. I'm an impractical blanket with my icicles as feet. The sunlight wakes my eyes, and you're still fast asleep, and I will wait for. The mirror in the bathroom sweats of your shampoo and my body washing intimacy. I don't expect to waste too much time getting clean. Run your fingers through my hair And show me how to see And we will last forever Patiently kitchen reads half past the time you had to be out the door we both know when you come home won't be here anymore but no matter where we are I will dream of you and we will last forever this audience size actually it's it's kind of nice that I play shows to you know, I have very dedicated friends my best friends in the audience front row right now 
who I'm like, you've heard the same few songs over and over, so it's really nice to be able to share, you know, very personal songs to me with a whole new group of people. This one, however, is brand new. Even you haven't heard it. Um, <laughs> I was just recording this in the studio uh, last weekend, last week, and I've been playing it a lot for that reason. I recorded the bass line today, so I'm going to play it. This is called, it's another slow one, but it's going to be more of a, like, rock ballad thing once we got electric guitars, so imagine that. This is called, Tell Me It's Alright. have crumbled and your walls are falling down The architect humbled but the pieces on the ground But you can build up from the ashes and I will plant new seeds you're hoping tomorrow is gonna give you what you need. Take a breath and we sigh. You got me tearing up inside. Why don't you tell me? From which we grew So ripe till it's plucked from the roots Toxic and tender Like the nights we've spent Tossing and turning Just trying Take a breath and we sigh You got me tearing up inside Why don't you tell me Take a breath and we sigh 
Check my phone set list real quick. <laughs> Every, it's 2016, everybody does this, right? Oh, yes, uh, I've got a few more for you. I've got one, I'm gonna do a short version. Uh, this is kinda like the single of my, of my EP. Um, I usually have a second guitarist or another uh, instrumentalist with me who takes a solo, so this is gonna be the Cliff Notes version, because it's uh, jazzy and I like to play it. This is called Ride It On Home. Stops like a train on its tracks With a sense of direction But no way to turn back So let's wait it out If you ever have a doubt Well you can ride it on home Ride it on home tonight You can't even look my way With your eyes to the sky As we're saying goodbye Don't you think it's strange but I can't stand the change And if you want it, you can ride it on home All the way home tonight How did we fall so far From chatting away every day Lit by the stars Now I don't hear a peep from you But I'll be listening If you should feel the need to start Thinking about where we've been and I know that you know I'm not like most other men So let's put this behind If you really feel inclined Well you can ride it on home, ride it on home tonight Thinking about where we've been And I know that you know I'm not like most other men So let's put this behind If you really feel inclined You can ride it on home, ride it on home tonight Ride it on home, ride it on home tonight Ride it, oh ride it on home tonight Come on! One more, if that's, is that cool? Yeah. Cool. Um, 
I'm gonna tune to a different tuning really quickly. I made a lot of mistakes earlier on in gigging with this song. I wanted to open with this, and then I broke all my strings like every time. So that, now I save it for the end. I actually got the idea for this tuning because I was listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell at the time. Eh, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know why it took me so long to listen to Joni Mitchell, but uh, some good things happened. And I was listening to California and she, I, I had already been playing some uh, open tunings because I listened to a lot of Khaki King as well, speaking of queer musicians. Yes, good. <laughs> and uh, so I learned some open tunings through her, and then I saw Joni Mitchell do an open tuning and then put a capo on it. I was like, oh, I never thought of that, which is stupid. I don't know why I never thought of that. but. So I had originally written this song... Um, which I don't think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna play the other one with the capo now that I've talked about this. But um, I wrote a song about all, it's all about moving to New York, but I've kind of already outgrown a lot of it. So in this tuning, I wrote a song that is actually about my cat, which is, I, I played on uh, Michael's podcast, but I made it sound like it could be about a romance too. <laughs> so, you know, listen with both filters. I do love my cat, but not romantically. So this is this is called jo and actually I should pull it up. But on my on my EP, um, it's me with a guitar, and then it's like my cat looking up at me. I tried to put little like song bits in there. I know why didn't I do that? Next next show, cat projections. <laughs> All right, this is called uh, Jump Right Through My Love. Thanks so much for your time. Jumped right through my love And onto the open window Away you sit Huh? Oh wait a second There we go, right? I sit on myself Wondering will we? Yes we will I
made a home overnight Sleeping soundly by my head Why could nights go you guys thank you so much <clears throat> uh, are we good to pull the yeah I think he's got you uh, all right guys we have one more artist left this is um, someone uh, this is another of those man this is it's just I'm the only one using the stand so I guess I'm the one that knows the sadness of the sand um, so this next uh, guest is another one of my friends that I knew from Houston there was this whole New York, like, oh, it's one of those magical New York people. Um, I met Eve Beglarian at Diverse Works in Houston, Texas. I was, uh, I did a um, collaboration piece with artists who, uh, it was composers and people who use text, and Eve performed and did a workshop with us, and it was amazing, and we've been friends ever since. Come on up, Eve Beglarian. And uh, Sugar Vendel is gonna play the piano with her, too. Yeah. So, you know, I think we will just, because you're going to be playing some pieces and telling us some things in between, and I think she's, she's given up. <laughs> all right, so Eve, uh, are all the pieces you're doing from your new work that you're... Uh, no. Actually, the, the last piece that, that I'm going to do uh, is from the new piece that I'm doing down in Houston, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But all the other ones are... Miscellaneous from different I love places. Miscellany, miscellany. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, let's just go right on to it because you you've got things it? to tell us about each piece, right? Okay. The first song is a text by um, Jane Bowles. You know, Paul Bowles, Sheltering Sky. Yes. No. Oh, wow. Okay. She wrote it in like 1942. She was a playwright and a poet and an amazing woman who was bisexual and married to Paul Bowles who was also bisexual and they decamped to Morocco and it's this whole story Paul no okay and uh, this poem may be the saddest poem I know oh I'm sad for never knowing courage and I'm sad the stilling of fear close to the sun now and farther from the heart I think that my end must be near Yeah. 
edge of the table Cause the table's stronger than me And I lean on anyone's shoulder Because anyone's Jane Bowles, remember her. Uh, that was the first time this piece has ever been done in public. Uh, I wrote it uh, out in Wyoming at an artist colony that had a really cool piano so that I could uh, work up the, the piano part. This next piece I also wrote in Wyoming, but it's very um, related to Wyoming. And it was performed for the first time sometime this weekend in a place called South Bass City, Wyoming, which is where the Oregon Trail crosses the Continental Divide. And this guy, who's a percussionist and a singer, he called me up and asked me to write a piece for him because he is biking from Mexico to Canada along the Continental Divide Trail, and every time the path crosses the Continental Divide, he stops and performs a piece. So he's a musician and a long distance biker. And so he, um, he asked me, well I said, let me do one in Wyoming because I'm gonna be out in Wyoming and I can go scope out locations for, for where you can do this piece. And uh, when I started researching uh, uh, the Continental Divide in, in Wyoming, I learned about a woman by the name of Esther Hobart Morris, who, interestingly enough, was the first judge, female judge, in this country, and perhaps in the world, or at least in recorded history, um, because Wyoming was the first state in the Union, it wasn't even a, a state yet, it was a territory, when it gave women the right to vote. So in 1869, women were given the right to vote in Wyoming, and Esther Hobart Morris became the first justice of the peace. So this piece was performed by the bicyclist, just him and an, and an I, I, iPhone app that gives you a drone, and body percussion. So I'm gonna try to imitate that now with a little help from Sugar as well. Mr. Hobart Morris, doe of the Wyoming dawn, Esther, 
Esther, milliner and mother, a consecrated woman standing strong. Esther Hobart Morris, you are my morning star. Abolitionist and suffragette, succeeding ugly bigot justice bar. Esther, show me justice. Esther, bestow your peace. I'm longing for your wisdom, unfurled from west to east. You're what justice looks like, the justice of my peace, an enacted female standing tall, giving voice. unto the least. Hey, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. South Bass City is the real-life suffragette city. South Bass City is the real-life suffragette city. Esther Hobart Morris, your justice brought you peace. I know your sojourn at the divide brings hope, hope that does not cease. Married to a brawling drunk, and neither young nor pretty, you use the law to take him down right there in South Pass City. Show me justice, Esther, bestow your peace. I'm longing for your wisdom, unfurled from west to east. You're what justice looks like, the justice brings me peace. A righteous female standing tall, bringing voice unto the least.
Whatever made you think you could run around on me and come back when you feel like that will never be? How could you make me feel so blue? Cause I worry over you Why, I know you worry too Darling, my love is true The video for that was made by uh, Matt Petty, who is my ongoing collaborator for a bunch of different projects, including this last piece, which is called From the Same Melancholy Fate. And uh, it is the opening number of a show that I'm doing about visionary visual artists around the country. Um, and. Uh, we just did a workshop performance of it uh, down in Houston uh, Wednesday. And um, so the way this piece works is that every time a performer plays the piece, we record their performance, and then the next performance plays another layer on top of the previous performance. So eventually there's like layer upon layer upon layer of performance, a palimpsest of performances, and the original track that I gave to the performer gets buried under all the room tone and subsequent performances. So this is pass number three of my version of From the Same Melancholy Fate. And the film is by Matt Petty, and it was filmed at the demolition of the house of, of a, a guy called Cleveland Turner, who also was known as the Flower Man in Houston, who built a whirlwind in his front yard. And uh, after he died, they couldn't maintain the whirlwind, and so they did a second line and a big celebration and tore down his house. The poem is by Louise Gluck. Not I, you idiot, not self, but we, we, waves of sky blue like a critique of heaven, 
Why do you treasure your voice when to be one thing is to be next to nothing? Why do you look up? To hear an echo like the voice of God? You are all the same to us. Solitary, standing above us, planning your silly lives. You go where you are sent, like all things, where the wind plants you. One or another of you, forever looking down and seeing some image of water, and hearing what? Waves, and over waves, birds singing.
Thank you so much, Michael, for putting this together. This is a really lovely event for uh, all of us, I think. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for coming. Can we have all the artists come up really quick? We can do a quick round of applause for everybody. Uh, and in the meantime, while they're coming up here, um, everyone who's listening to the podcast, we're still doing a podcast right now, which is sort of freaking me out. Um, uh, you, MikeyPod.com is the website. You can email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, those are all the things. And this mic, as soon as I let go of this mic, it's going to collapse. So can we have a big round of applause for everybody? <laughs> Yay. And thank you all for coming, and have a great night.